Hey, good to be with you guys. Good morning. Um, yeah, you're peppy, spunky this morning. Glad to um, be able just to lift up Jesus' name with you. And um, uh, I know that God just does works of transformation. Sometimes it, uh, it's by faith, right? Apart from what our feelings are, uh, when we engage, when we come together, uh, we're believing that God is going to, it, it not just is going to, but is doing things in us in our lives and uh, in our homes as we engage him. So that's why we do what we do. And I just want to welcome you guys here. I want to say a special thank you to those of you that maybe this is your first time uh, with us. Uh, It means a lot to us that you're here. It takes a lot, you know, to go to a new church on a Sunday morning. And uh, it's meaningful to us that you're here. And uh, so we love to bless you. And the way we do that is uh, in your pew back in front of you, you'll find a connection card. And so if you are willing, you grab that connection card, you can fill it out. Then after the service, you can take it to this foyer right back over here. And we have a, a welcome desk or welcome table that we'd love to uh, connect with you briefly. We're not going to keep you there long, but what we do want to do is we'll grab that card and we have a gift that we want to give to you. Just a small way of trying to communicate what a blessing it is that you're here. So um, if you're new with us, please take that opportunity. We'd love to just connect with you at our, uh, our welcome table uh, in the foyer after service. All right. Uh, if you guys that are a part of our church family, you can get your tithe and offering ready just to honor the Lord with. Um, we love being able to worship God this way. It is, uh, we believe, just one of those ways where we get to say, God, we just, we're declaring we trust you and you're faithful in our lives. And we want to just say we're dialed in with what you're doing in our lives uh, and in this church and in this city. And so I want to thank all of you that are part of our church family. You've made a covenant with us just to resource this church with the call that God has on our lives. And so thank you for doing that. So uh, you uh, ushers can come forward to uh, pass those baskets. If you happen to be new with us this morning, if you're your first time here, uh, we do zero obligation. We're going to pass these baskets. might look like you need to give us some money. And uh, we're just saying, uh, go ahead and pass. Uh, and we're just saying, that's not how we operate here. Um, uh, there's no obligation. We're just doing this for our family to be able to respond to the Lord and what God's put in their heart to do, uh, to resource our church uh, family to do what God has called us to do and the mission that he's given us to reach this city. And that's what we want to do here. We don't want to do anything less uh, than reach this city. Uh, and I say the city, I mean Middle Tennessee, I mean Nashville, the greater Nashville area. We want this place to be uh, transformed by the power uh, of Jesus. And we believe Jesus is actually the only thing that's going to change anything. So that's why we are uh, ready to reach um, as many people uh, as we can with the news that Jesus is alive and he loves them very much. So we're thankful for that in ways that you guys partner with us. Just a couple of things we always want to remind you, if you're not a part of a, a small group here, um, then you're missing out. We want you to be a part of a life-giving small group where people can speak life over you and encourage you and bless you, and you get a chance to do that with other people and uh, meeting on a regular basis. And so if you haven't had a chance to do that yet, you can gr- also grab one of those connection cards and say, hey, help me get some information about Uh, a small group, and we'd love to help you do that. Also, coming up in about a month on May 6th is our next uh, membership class. And so if you're curious, what does it mean to be a part of this church? What does it look like for me uh, to be a part? What are you about as a church, and where are you going as a church, and what does it mean to be a part of this family? We want you to come uh, to that class on May 6th. We're working out the time. We just wanted you to get the calendar. It's more like a save-the-date announcement 
Uh, and if I had a cute card where I was like doing like this, then that would be great. Um, save the date, but I don't have that. So uh, you're just going to get this announcement. Save the date. We'll get the time to you. We're working through that uh, based on our kids' ministry and some other things we have going on that day. But uh, May 6th, put it on your calendar if you're interested in, in uh, learning about us. You can come to the class. You don't have to become a member when you come to the class, but when you do, uh, it's an opportunity for you to jump into life with us here. So we'd love for you to come be a part of that, learn a little bit about what God is doing here. All right? Uh, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to jump into um, the word this morning and uh, just pray that God will do what he does uh, in transforming us. So let's pray. Um, Father, I'm going to ask right now. And I'm not asking alone. In fact, I want you to ask. God, would you do your work of transformation? Just do your work. And see, we're all here not on accident. Um, we might have felt like we got ourselves out of bed and we drove ourselves here. But at the end of the day, we're here because you've drawn us here, and that means you have something to accomplish, something to do. You have a way that you want to speak. You have a way that you want to move in us. You have things that you want to open our eyes to see that we haven't seen before or open our ears that we haven't heard before. And so, Lord, would you do your faithful work in us as we engage your heart? We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So... Um, when I was in high school, um, I, I just, I thought a lot of myself. I thought it was pretty awesome. You know, I don't know if you do, anybody, most people in junior, most people would not go back and do their junior, how many of, let me just, I'm going to take a straw poll here. How many of you would go back and do junior high and high school all over again? You loved it like crazy. A couple, just like two or three weirdos in the room. That's me. Okay, that's me. How many of you would like, I would never go back to that. You couldn't pay me enough money to go back. That's the rest of the room. Okay, so I'm one of the few weirdos, and I see who you are, and we can hang out after this. But uh, I remember uh, loving high school. I loved junior high. I loved high school um, just because I thought I was awesome all the time. But now, so I, I just wanted to be more awesome uh, as much as I could. And so at that time, um, I had a friend who uh, had convinced me that it would be more awesome to take zero-hour physics in our senior year. And so zero hour was you have to show up before school actually starts at seven in the morning instead of eight in the morning to do physics class. So I don't know how I thought that was awesome. And, um, and I, I still wrestle with the Lord through this thing, but I did it anyway. And so uh, I did physics class. And one of, and I fat, in fact, I remember very little about physics at all, mostly because it was seven in the morning and my brain wasn't on yet. But what I I did uh, remember is the idea of uh, direct relationships and inverse relationships. Direct relationships and inverse relationships. So direct relationships mean that as something increases, something else increases with it. And we experience this all the time. Uh, you, you found it, when you get more hungry, you want to eat more food. If you get the hungrier you get, the bigger your eyes get you, the more food you want to consume, right? And if you, and at some point in time, if you don't consume that food, you become not just hungry, you become hangry. Uh, and, and you, and at some point in time, um, the Hulk inside of you starts to come out if you don't feed yourself. So that's direct relationship. The more you invest in diet and exercise, the more healthy you become. All right, so more you invest in diet and exercise, you increase health. That's a direct relationship. You know, you hear all the guys, the earlier you begin saving and investing, the larger your nest egg will be at the 
uh, end of your time unless you are cynical and you're angry at the government and they're going to take it from you. Otherwise, you feel like that's the direct relationship. The earlier you do it, then um, the more you'll have at the end when you retire. Now, the opposite is the in- inverse relationship, and that's where, where something increases then something else decreases, all right? And so uh, we experience this <clears throat> all the time uh, in, like, uh, in mathematically speaking. Uh, if you drive faster to a place, uh, you get there in a shorter amount of time, right? And, and you know this because you're all sinners and break the speed limit all the time, okay? So just confess it. But you drive faster, you get there in a shorter amount of time. So as speed increases, the time to get there decreases. Uh, When you go to the gas station, uh, if there's a big supply, this is the supply and demand. If there's a big supply of gas out there, the prices go down. We all high-five each other when it's under three bucks, right? We get excited about that. Uh, if it go, when it came, when it was like, it was like up to near five bucks, right? And then it came back down to $2. And we were just, people were hugging each other at the pump, right? It was just, we were so excited. It was a big flood of gasoline. And so it increased. And so the price came down. Those are inverse. Uh, you ladies, uh, you, you know what I'm talking about? You go to the shoe store. You go to the shoe store. Uh, most of the time, right, we go to Payless because we just need functional shoes. But every once in a while, we go to the nice shoe store. And you see the shoes for 100 bucks, and what do you think? Ain't no way I'm paying $100 for those shoes. But when they go on sale and they go down to $50 or they go down to $45, all of a sudden you're saying, the Lord has spoken, He's shown here, and I go, and now, now, now I'm willing to buy those shoes. So as the price goes down on the shoes, your willingness to buy those goes up. There's an inverse relationship uh, in those things. In, in those things, what I, I want to say is, in God's kingdom, there's an inverse relationship that happens all the time. There's this this thing that as this thing increases, there's got to be a decrease happen. And so what I want to do is explore that with you as we're opening this new series on the idea that less is more. So we're going we're gonna to go through over the next few weeks, less is more. So what I want you to do is grab your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. We're going to be in John chapter 3 together this morning. And I want us to see, begin to see this inverse relationship that's taking place uh, in the Scripture. John chapter 3. Now, we're going to start in verse 30, and then we're going to come back. John chapter 3, verse 30. A man named John the Baptist makes a statement, and here's what he says. He must increase, but I must decrease. He must increase. He, meaning Jesus, must increase. I must decrease. This is that inverse relationship we're talking about. And what he's going to tell us is that true growth... True development, transformation actually only happens as we become less. And and, and that seems almost counterintuitive for you and me to actually grow, become greater in peace and patience and power in joy as we're meant to grow in these things that God has for us. The only way for that growth to take place is we got to get smaller. We got to get less and less. There's this inverse relationship. It almost seems like it doesn't make sense. For us to grow, we have to become less. And he's going to flesh this out. Now, let me, before we look at this text, let me just set up who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is 
uh, the cousin or close relative, like second or third or whatever, fifth cousin of Jesus. Doesn't tell us exactly, but uh, he was related to John the Baptist. John, and he, John the Baptist was born about a year and a half before Jesus. And um, in fact, John the Baptist knew Jesus in the womb because Mary is pregnant with Jesus and, uh, and uh, Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. And when Mary comes to tell Elizabeth that she's pregnant with the Son of God, which was, I can't even imagine that conversation. Can you imagine that conversation? Hey, angels came, I'm prego with the Son of God. Boom, <laughs> right? So I can't even imagine. But whatever that conversation was going on, uh, uh, John the Baptist like flips over and does like crazy dance in her, in her womb, right? In the belly. And so she's feeling it. And so from the get-go, there's going to be this union and connection with Jesus and John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is the one. And his job is this. You're going to be born. And then your ministry is you're going to prepare the way for the Son of God. You're going to begin to tell people. In fact, your job is going to be this. Uh, to preach repentance, which is, you know, every preacher just loves so much. It's the most engaging topic of all time. I, I mean, th- this is what he gets. Hey, your message, repentance. And you need to tell everybody, hey, it's time to repent. The king is actually coming. And so what he's saying is, what he's actually saying is, hey, it's time to get your heart ready. Something crazy's coming. And he's telling people, you've got to get your heart ready. Something crazy is coming uh, because... Uh, if, if you're not ready, if you don't prepare your heart, then when he comes and he does his thing, it's going to seem way different than anything you've ever seen before. And if you're not careful, you're going to miss it. I mean, the, actually, the ministry of John the Baptist was the gracious work of God to say, listen, you've got to get your antenna up. Something that you've never seen before is coming. And if you're not ready, if you don't get your heart ready, you're not going to receive it. So that was his job. That was his role. That's what John the Baptist was going to do. I mean, in some ways, it's a thankless job. You get to prepare the way for the guy to come. And so he's trying to faithfully walk through that. And then when it's time for Jesus to start his ministry, do you know, we all know where he goes. Well, if, you've been, if you grew up in church, you know where he goes. He goes down to the Jordan River where John is uh, pre- um, preaching Repent, make your heart ready for the king is coming and the king shows up ready for his ministry, his time, and he gets into the Jordan River and John the Baptist. Now, how cool would it be to be the guy who baptizes the son of God? John the Baptist is going, this is like payoff for making me have to preach repentance. All right, this is what this is. Thank you very much, Jesus. Oh, at least I get this. He, he baptizes Jesus. All right, so Jesus is going in, by the way, Jesus is going into, he needs to be baptized because he's going to show this is what it looks like to go into the grave and come out alive. So it's a prophetic work that John's doing. So John baptizes him, he goes into the grave, into the water, he pulls him out, right? And then at that moment, then the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove, and then the heavens open up and heaven speaks, the Father speaks and says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. All right, so you can imagine this moment. I mean, maybe one of the most amazing moments in the history of all mankind. Um, I mean, we, we often are like, hey, God, it would be great if you could speak and uh, let me know where we're supposed to go to dinner tonight. Mo- I mean, most of the time, you know, those are the kinds of decisions we're trying to go through. We'd like to hear from you what we're supposed to do. This is the most significant moment. Uh, and, and John is a part of this. Now, 
It's this amazing moment. And it's at this moment the inverse begins to take place. Because here's what we're going to see. John the Baptist's ministry is about to crater. And his life is going, about to go a direction. I mean, he's, he's been ramping up, preparing the way. And then he gets to this amazing moment. Doves descending. The heavens are open. The God is speaking over the sun. He's done all this work to prepare the way. And then at this moment, John the Baptist is about to go into the cave, the background. And this moment we see here in Scripture is going to begin to show us what that looks like. If you'll look at John chapter 3, verse 22. So after this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside, and he remained there with them and was baptizing. So Jesus now baptizing. John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because water was plentiful there. People were coming and being baptized. John hadn't been put into prison, so there's a precursor that his life's fixing to go badly. Now, a, dis- a discussion arose between some of John's disciples and a Jew over purification. And they came to John and said to him, Listen, Rabbi, he who was with you across the Jordan, to whom you bore witness, look, he's baptizing, and now all of them are going to him. Essentially, all the guys that have been following John the Baptist, they're going, nobody's coming to us anymore. Uh, and they're all going to him now. And so is, is it us or is it them? Is it uh, it's supposed to come to our camp and we've been working hard, we've been doing all these things, and, but they're making this decision, they're going over to Jesus and look, John answers verse 27. person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ But I have been sent before him. The one who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. So here comes the inverse relationship. John looks at the guys who have been following him, and he says, listen, I want you to get this picture and understanding. This is what we were always meant to be and we were always meant to do. That as he increases, we're meant to decrease. And it's going to look a completely different way. Our lives are about to change because this isn't about us anymore. It's about him in us about who he is and what he wants to do because what John knows and what he's experiencing, what he's about to walk through in his own life uh, and what we've all experienced is decreasing isn't easy. Decreasing isn't easy. If I were to come to you in any number of places in your life and ask you to decrease, you'd go, I don't know that I'm ready to let go. I don't know that I'm ready to shrink. I don't know that I'm ready to uh, let loose of the things that I've been holding on to. I don't know that laying down our agenda is the most fun or easy thing to do. And the question is, why? Why is it so hard to let go of our own agenda? Why do we not like the idea of decreasing uh, in our lives? Because the issue is it, it takes trust, right? It takes real trust 
to say, to cognitively say, listen, I have to, I've got to decrease so that God can increase, that he can begin to do his work. Less of me, less of my way, more of his way. That's absolute trust. Now, uh, that sounds great. It, it sounds neat to say more of God and less of me, but when the rubber actually meets the road, uh, that has some massive implications for our lives. It, it, it means something in our, in, in our everyday life. For John, what it means is you've been a hero on the way and your life is about to look very differently. And the question is this. As you're submitting to God's plan and life starts looking bad for you, do you trust? As you're walking in what God has for you, as you're taking a step forward to say, uh, God, more of you and less of me, do you trust him? Because this thing's going to look ugly. That this path that John was on is not going to look great. That if you want to grow and you want to increase, John, that we have to decrease. It's actually, John is, in fact, the prophetic picture of all of us. And it's not going to be pretty. But the question is this, do you trust? Because where there's no trust, there is no growth. And if you have with you, uh, you got a bulletin when you came in, you look on the back, there's a set of notes. You can follow along if you want to there. Where there's no trust, there is no growth. Where there's no trust, there is no growth. Now, listen, that, that's actually not that revolutionary. All of the friendships, all relationships we have are based on some level of tr trust. Wherever their trust is, whether it is whether it's explicit or implicit, wherever there is trust is, there's an opportunity for growth. Right? You, you've experienced this uh, in marriage. The foundation of marriages, there's trust there. Foundation of friendships, there's trust there. Uh, that's how this thing works, right? You ever had a best friend and you just trusted them, what they thought about, what they said about you, how they interacted with you, you just totally trusted them, right? Have you, have you ever had a, have you ever had a boss who you just wish, you were like, man, I just wish they would trust me to do more. I just, I, I, wish, I wish my boss would just let me take another, if he would just trust me, I think I would knock this thing out of the park. Maybe you've had an employee, you're like, man, if I could just trust them, then I would, I would give them so much more, right? Trust is actually central to the ability to grow in whatever ways and whatever places and whatever times we have. You guys that are students in here, you guys students, 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, all the way through seniors, uh, your whole lives are about trust, right? Your whole life right now is, can I show my parents I am trustworthy enough to get the freedom that I really want? Come on. This is what this whole thing is. That's what, all, that, that's what all of high school is, is I, am I living in a way where I'm gaining the trust of my parents so that I can have freedom to go and try to be my own thing? That's what you're trying to figure out. That's what we're navigating. And I, I, I'll tell you this, and I'm one of those goody two-shoes, along with uh, taking physics, zero hour, I was also a goody two-shoes. And so um, in high school, I, you know what? I didn't, have a, I didn't have a curfew in high school. I didn't have a curfew in high school. You know why? My parents totally trusted that the decisions I was going to make uh, 
were right. And they trusted me. So I was able to come home. I'd come home faithfully. They didn't have to give me a curfew because I was going to make sure I didn't make stupid decisions. All right? You may not have been that person. You may be thinking, I'm the one I, de- I desperately needed a curfew. That's who I was, right, in high school, right? But that's what that is. It, your ability to grow kids or your ability to grow uh, employees, your ability to grow spouses, all hinges on this issue of trust. How much do you trust? And if trust is there, it's an opportunity for us to actually grow. And that's what's taking place. As we grow in trust of someone, what happens? We begin to take their advice, begin to listen. We begin to, all of a sudden, if there's trust there, you begin to respond in a different way. People's, someone you trust, their words carry more weight, right? Somebody you don't trust, you're like, eh, appreciate that. Some, somebody that you do trust, their words go way far in our hearts. That's what happens all the time. In, in many ways, uh, as we grow in trust of someone, we'll begin to make sacrifices because we love that person so much. We trust that person so much. We'll uh, orient our lives around the person that we trust uh, because, there's, uh, because it's an opportunity for growth there. Trust is this critical issue for growth. You, can, uh, you Listen, you can live an untrusting life where you don't trust anybody, you self-protect, and you just end up dying. And, and you may have even found yourself in that place before. Well, it's easier not to trust anyone because you get to guard your own heart and you find yourself isolated. And guess what? It's the opposite of growth. We die. This issue of trust is actually a really big issue. And John the Baptist here is saying, listen, I've got to trust him. As he increases, I decrease. Because I trust his verdict over my life. I trust his way more than my own way. I'm going to trust him. Because he's faithful. And this is a big issue, and this is a big point, because I trust him because my life's about to not go great. Because the rest of the story is that almost immediately after Jesus' ministry begins to increase, after that incredible moment, what happens to John the Baptist? He's arrested. He spends the next year of his life in prison until he has given a guilty verdict and he's beheaded, executed. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That doesn't preach great. That's kind of rough. What we have here is a man who's saying, he must increase, I must decrease, and it costs him his life. I wish that was, I, I wish that was, was more fun to be able to say, but there's a, a weight to that. And I can tell you this, the most powerful reality of, of watching uh, John the Baptist's life is actually found in Matthew chapter 11. We're not going to go there now, but I'm just going to tell you. Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist is in prison. It's looking bad for him. And his disciples go over to Jesus and they're like, hey, what's going on? Are, are, you, actually, are you actually the Christ? Uh, because John, John the Baptist, the guy who prepared the way for you, is in prison. 
and it's not looking good for him, and Jesus sends him a message. You know what he says? He says, listen, you need to tell John 1 that all the things that were prophesied over me by the prophet Isaiah, it's all happening. I'm doing all of it. But he needs to hear this, and you need to hear this. Blessed are those that are not offended because of me. Because what he's going to say is, listen, here's what he's saying. Blessed are you who trust me when I don't do what you think I should do. Because, John, you're not going to get out of prison, and this is going to go badly. But guess what? Now, here's the amazing part. You know what Jesus says about John the Baptist? Listen, he's the greatest man ever born of a woman. Greatest man ever born of a woman. Now, let me, let me just say something. <clears throat> I love getting encouragement. love getting encouragement from my wife and my kids. Love when you guys come up and tell me how amazing of a preacher I am. It's great. It's awesome. All the time. Okay? Let me tell you, everything pales in comparison to when God looks at you and says, greatest man ever born of a woman. What he's saying is, is this man's willing to decrease in a way where I increase. And that's what means the most to me. Not how the circumstances of his life on this earth work out. But John got the picture that my trust in him may not always look pretty in this life, but it means everything for eternity. I don't even know what it will mean for John the Baptist to be in the age to come and, and what uh, reward he has. But all I know is this. That's what I want to hear from the Son of God over my life. Greatest man ever born of a woman. That's what I want to hear. I hope and pray that there isn't something in you that's going, man, of all the things that I could ever have in this life, more than security or more than income or more than a cool spouse, or more than awesome kids, or more than neat cars or more than whatever, more than anything else, I hope there's something deep down inside of you that's going, all I want to know is that I mean something to God, that my life counts for something. I'm meaningful before the Lord. That's what, we, that's what the real heart cry is. It's what Jesus gave to John the Baptist. And listen, it's what he offers to us. This wasn't just for John the Baptist. It was for us. See, John knew something. He knew something that actually nobody else. He knew that it was critical to trust and he wasn't asking him to do it without a relationship. He offers friendship. If you look back in verse 29, it says, listen, I'm not the bridegroom, but I'm the friend of the bridegroom. I stand and hear him, and I rejoice greatly at the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. Here's what he's saying. Man, I'm not him, but I'm his friend. I'm his friend. And you know what friends do for each other? They rejoice when they see their friend come alive. But it takes trust. But the trust is there because the friendship is there. That's what he's doing. He, G, John understood before anybody else understood it. Before, before Jesus' own family ever understood it. His, his brothers, his brothers, his mom, nobody understood this uh, before John did. So I know that God's asking me to, to go this route, and I know that it's out of friendship, and I know that there's joy 
that, that my life will, I'll experience joy if I'm willing to decrease. That my joy increases as I decrease. That's the picture for every one of us. It's the call for every one of us is do you believe your growth in him and all that you want God to do is tied to this inverse relationship. We decrease, he increases. And the beauty is he's, he's doing it out of friendship, right? He's not a taskmaster. Jesus puts it this way, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 15. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. See, the indication here is that God's ready to share things, share truth, share life. It's the same. John the Baptist was aware of the things of Jesus well before anybody else was. He's doing it out of this place of friendship, saying, I'm the friend of the bridegroom and my joy is complete. And what Jesus is saying here is, listen, I'm not asking you to decrease as a taskmaster. I'm saying, do you trust me as a friend? I've got life to bring to you. I have things to share with you. The scripture here indicates there's things that he wants to reveal to us. There's things that he wants to offer to us. There is direction that God wants to give to us. And none of that will necessarily make sense to us at the time or the moment. But the question is, do we trust him? Do we trust him? We actually can experience real, true friendship with God. That's something that we have every one of us just like John the Baptist, but it requires trust. And so that's the call for us. And the truth, <laughs> the truth is, this calls for all of us, and it's, it's actually good, because deep down inside, don't we all really know that whenever we're in charge, it never really goes great? I mean, can't we just be honest for a moment? Anytime we've kind of found ourselves putting ourselves in charge, we, we end up looking at it going, this is horrible. I've made a mess of this. I thought I, I could work this out, but I couldn't. You know, I, I, you guys, you remember the, um, the WWJD bracelets? Might even have one on still. Remember those? Right? It was great at first because it was like, hey, we just start thinking about something. You know, what, what would Jesus do? And so... Um, we started, and then at some point in time, it became, you know, it became overblown and a little bit obnoxious, and, 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 and that kind of happened in, in kind of the Christian world around us. But, you know, the underpinning of that question, what would Jesus do? You, you know what that's rooted in is, is some, you know, somebody's out there going, man, I've, I keep making a mess of this. <laughs> what would Jesus do? My way doesn't seem to be working out great. I mean, at the, under, the underpinning of that question is actually what, do, what would God actually want to do here? The idea, how could I actually decrease so God could increase? What, what are his thoughts? What are his ways? What, what is he actually trying to accomplish? That's the idea. I decrease, he increases. His idea or thought about my life is better than my own in whatever way I could try to manufacture it. That's what Galatians 2.20 is talking about. He says, I've, I've been crucified with Christ. This is Paul talking to the church. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So, so 
I, I love this text because it's not just a call to death, it's a call to life. It says that as you decrease, you're, you're making the exchange. This is the, this is the issue. This is the, the core point, is that as you and I die, I was crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. And for the life I live, the life that I live, I live by faith now because it's not my own. I get more life as I die, as I decrease, as I go away. There's a call to new life, and there's an exchange that we have to make. Every place that God wants you to increase in joy and life and power, then every one of us has to make an exchange. We've got to choose to make an exchange. And that's what we're uh, daily brought to. Are you and I willing to make the exchange, my life for his? Making the transfer. John made the exchange. It cost him his life. And I, have no, I can't even begin to imagine the reward for his, uh, the eternity is in, he, that he has. And so that's the question. Do you believe that less is more? Do you believe that less is more? It sounds good in a sermon, and it's got to work itself out in our everyday lives. And that's the question. So here's what we're going to do over the next uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to begin to ask the question, uh, Lord, how do, you, how do you increase and how do I decrease? We're going to look in four particular areas. And uh, so we're going to address, you can write these in and then you'll know where we're going over the next few weeks. We're going we're to ask God how he increases when we are in a place of stress or when we're wrestling with worry or anger or judgment. Over the next few weeks, we're, we're going to actually get into the real guts of this because it sounds great, say I increase or I decrease and God increases, but it's an entirely different thing when it comes to the very real experiences that we have in everyday life. And so we're going to ask the question, God, how, how can you begin to increase and I decrease as it relates to these experiences that I have on a regular basis? I want you to put your... Uh, notes and Bibles and stuff down, and we're just going to take two minutes to engage God's heart and just begin to ask him this question. Are, are you willing to make the exchange? So, Father, we just want to come before you now. And I, God, we're coming to you because um, we all know with our minds that you're great that you're powerful, that you give life, that you have plans, you have things that you want to release to us. You've called us friends and you've not called us servants or slaves anymore, but you've in fact brought us right in to this family with you. You've, you've chosen to make us like you. And you've opened the opportunity for us to make an exchange And so here's the question I just want you to wrestle with. Are you willing to just begin to ask the Lord, God, you've got to increase. Where can you increase? Where are you asking me to decrease? Maybe there's a, a, a place where 
it's time to make an exchange in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you just need to say, I'm not, I'm not operating like a slave anymore. I want to operate like a friend. Make the exchange. Maybe you, you've been walking, you, you like independence, and the Lord's saying, would you be willing to exchange your independence for dependence on me? Maybe you're just in a place where there's something that you're wrestling with in, a, in an area of control in your life. And it's just time to say, I, God, I need to make this. I don't want to be in control anymore. My way always seems to be a wreck. And your way is life. And I need to make the exchange. God, I'm asking that you'd help us make that exchange. Would you help us recognize places where it's time for you to increase and time for us to decrease? You have so many areas of our heart and our minds that you want to speak life into. It's, I love what you said. I, I don't call you slave. I call you friend. And, I, and you're a friend because I tell you what's going on. I speak to you. I reveal. I pray that you would do that over these next few weeks as we engage this truth of less being more. I thank you, God, that you're the faithful one, that you are able to work supernaturally and miraculously in our lives and that you have things that you want to do in us. Would you release that? We're hungering for more of you and less of us. Make it our prayer. Would you lead us, God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys, would you all stand with me? We're going to close out with... um, our benediction, just a closing prayer. We want to be able to do that with you. We're going to have uh, some prayer partners down front, and they would love to just pray with you. Um, anything maybe that's just going on in your life, and you're just looking for someone to partner with you, we want to pray with you about whatever's going on. Uh, it's our delight to be able to do that. If the Lord's stirring something in you, we want to just jump in there with you on it. Or maybe you're asking God to come and give victory or conquer. Again, we'll, we're going to jump in there with you. Um, we're going to go this week, and if you feel comfortable, you might just put your hands out. I'm going to pray a prayer of blessing over us as we go. You can just put your hands out to receive. You don't have to do it. There's nothing magic about that, but we just like to position ourselves before the Lord uh, to get and receive from him. So you pray with me. God, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Just make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Would you lift up your countenance upon us? May we receive peace that surpasses understanding. May we walk with you in ways that we didn't last week. And I pray that our Monday would be full of an opportunity to make that exchange. Less of us and more of you. Would you show us what that looks like? And even as our hands are out, we just release control. And we say, Lord, more of your control, leadership, your kingship in our lives. We love you. We thank you. We bless you. It's in your name. We pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings, guys. Love y'all. We'll see you next week.